Welcome to BuildCast, where we delve into the backstories of experts and other players in the built environment to reveal their journey and how they got built. Join us in our conversation to learn from their life experiences, to be the catalyst for innovation, and to make sustainable building mainstream building. Now here is your host and the principal thinker at Build Tank Inc., Robbie Schwartz. Keith Dennis, president of the Beneficial Electrification League, finds himself translating the languages of law, engineering, and business to pursue a vision where electrification has broad market acceptance as a necessary strategy to meet the economic, consumer, and environmental goals of our country. Keith and the Beneficial Electrification League help to educate the wide breadth of policymakers and stakeholders on the benefits of end-use electrification. They target and support research and development to bring new understanding to the topic of electrification, and they provide education and toolkits to help craft messages that are inclusive to diverse stakeholders and programs that effectively bring the message of beneficial electrification to local communities. I really enjoyed my conversation with Keith, and I hope you will as well. Hi, this is Robbie Schwartz with the BuildCast, and today I'm speaking with Keith Dennis, president of the Beneficial Electrification League. How are you, Keith? Good. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks so much for, for joining us. Um, I guess the first question is uh, gets to the title of your, your league, uh, Beneficial Electrification. Um, what is Beneficial Electrification? So Beneficial Electrification is using electricity in a way that saves people money, uh, helps the environment, uh, improves pro product quality or quality of life, and fosters a robust and resilient grid. So it's really just using electricity to make your make your life better. But we do have that beneficial part in ahead of electrification because it's really important that people, when they electrify something, whether it's a car or they're um, even you know, washing the dishes or or anything, that it's it's benefiting them in some way. Is there a way to measure the benefit? Um, I think it's it's one thing is if it's kind of happening naturally by the market, it's probably probably beneficial. Um, people don't buy a product that's not working as well that's electric. Um, people, uh, generally speaking, uh, almost everything that's electric or being electrified is better for the environment. Um, and generally, um, you know, saving money um, is definitely something that can be measured. Uh, we, we like to see that saving money uh, be saving money into the consumer's pocket. Um, so there's different ways to make sure that the, the, the savings are passed on to consumers. But generally, these things are, are, are measurable. I think there is some aspect of, um, you know, a better, a better product uh, that's a little bit kind of subjective. But for the most part, um, you know, people buy, buy a, a, a lawnmower because they don't have to pull a rope anymore and they don't need a gas tank. So it's it's just a better product, right? That's that's generally yeah. uh, how it works. Yeah. And uh, beneficial electrification league. Um, what does the league do? So we um, we actually came up with the term beneficial electrification in 2015. It was it was a paper that that I had written. Um, and back then we didn't know if that term would 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 last. And now it's written into laws, and it's sort of if you Google it, it's everywhere. Um, so just at a very basic level, we talk about why, why electricity is good, why it's beneficial. And, and when there are areas or times where, where there's challenges um, that would make it potentially not beneficial, we work to address those. Great, great. Um, well, I appreciate that kind of background and, and understanding. Um, I like to go um, backwards here for a second and, and kind of talk about your your background itself how how did you get interested in in electrification and uh, where what was kind of your trajectory to this this uh, uh, pathway to being president of the beneficial electrification league well um, you know some sometimes some people just kind of live their life with being blown around wherever they go and that's sort of what what happened to me um, you know I'll start at the very beginning I just I always sort of had a proclivity for math and 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 engineering and uh, I guess engineering but I went to a school in Maine I didn't even know what engineering was and I just sort of went to went to college they had engineering there I became an engineer and then one thing led to another and I was taking courses in environmental studies and, and law 
and I, I ended up having four degrees in different areas. So business, law, um, and engineering. And that combination really works well with, with, um, with energy. And I had a background in, in environmental uh, uh, studies as well. Um, I worked for a while in, 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 in kind of carbon accounting. And then the first stimulus happened, which is similar to what we're going through right now. It was, it was ARA. It was the American Recovery and Reinvestment Act. Yeah. And I was working on small projects. I went over to DOE, worked on big projects. And that's really what got me into energy and energy efficiency. And from there, I, I studied it and realized that electricity has a path um, to a low carbon future, for example. Um, you can't be uh, a low carbon future if you have uh, millions and millions of vehicles burning gasoline and millions of homes burning propane and gas. So you have to electrify. And there was a big gap there at the time. Um, people were not exploring that. And so I wrote a paper called Beneficial Electrification. And somebody started this organization kind of, um, you know, despite my, uh, you know, shyness about it. And eventually uh, I ended up uh, being um, coerced to, to be the, uh, the president. And it's been a really, a really fun ride. Great. So you, you say your your background is kind of perfect for, for this. Uh, can you give us some examples of of what that means? Yeah, so I would call it being a translator between engineers and environmentalists and, and lawyers. Um, so policy folks don't always know what is possible with engineer in the engineering side, the technology side, and what is not possible. Um, and so just even you know, generally there'll be a group of lawyers, they might hate the engineers and the engineers hate the lawyers. And uh, being a translator is kind of an interesting job because to somebody who's bilingual, speaking a language isn't very hard at all. So it's not hard for me to speak engineering, it's not hard for me to speak law, um, but for some reason they can't speak to each other, it sounds like gibberish. And, you know, in this particular area, there's just a big intersection of policy and law. Uh, and the same thing with environmental uh, the environmental aspects, you know, people who are really interested in the environmental side don't have a deep background always in the engineering side and can kind of burn some bridges when they say, why don't you just do this? And it's, it's not that simple. Um, so just just understanding all three of those things, it's like uh, it just makes you naturally be able to sort of live in a space where you're being helpful to, to, to three different groups. And, you know, there are people in that space. Not a lot, but when 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 you're there, it's it's just incredibly helpful and, and easy to advance the ball. Yeah. Is there one of those uh, three sectors that you like the most? <laughs> um, no, I think I think I like being I, I you know, I, it would be hard to be just an engineer. Um, I think engineers I, when I was at engineering school, I'll just say it was the hardest of the of, of the schools I ever went to. Business school was the easiest, but sometimes they don't get the best, the glamorous jobs or the or the pay. Frankly, that's like teachers. They're 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 amazing, but they just don't get there. And then the business side is the easiest, and they get paid the most. <laughs> and and so you know, I don't think I could just be on Wall Street or something trying to make the most money. And uh, so I, I really like being well-rounded. And and uh, I think it's really important for folks to to always try to you know think about whether they want to specialize completely or or have a couple of different skills and I'm just happy I have a couple of different skills yeah interesting the um, kind of this interaction between these these different groups um, are they um, are they antagonistic to each other or are they they working together to move things forward generally speaking I think they're all well-meaning um, they just don't it's like looking at an elephant with a blindfold on, right? That old analogy where, where you're not really sure what you're touching. Um, an example would be just the whole beneficial electrification experience that I had um, in 2015 and before that, people were saying, if you, can, if you wanna do something good for the environment, use gas in your house. Um, you know, electricity's made, electricity's made from coal and, 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 and you just wanna, and that's why California has all gas. Um, and then, you know, there were some pathway projects, we wrote this paper, and just around that time, we saw a pathway for electric electricity to be better for the environment, and people just flipped like a switch. Electrify everything. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 you got to do it everywhere right now. And the reality is it's much more complicated than that. 
Now, is the environmental person or the policy person saying, you know, jump to this right now, doing something wrong? Possibly, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not um, confident enough to say anyone does anything wrong, but certainly um, if they, if you have a, a more holistic approach, you can target things a little bit better, be a little bit more nuanced and potentially be a little bit more effective. So it, it just takes all, all sides, you know, being open-minded to what, what the engineers are saying, what the policy people want to do and, 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 um, you, you know what the what the uh, the business community is is you just need them all those are ingredients to make a successful um, change. Yeah, you kind of alluded to this, but um, can it be beneficial to electrify if your if your electricity is coming from coal or oil or or some other um, non renewable source? Yes, and this is this is a, a similar challenge to what. Um, you asked about kind of maybe a question almost like stovepiping. Um, if you look at just a, a, a certain metric of, you know, how much does this one thing use a certain way? And the answer might be different than a more holistic approach. Um, and so um, the answer is yes, absolutely. I believe in, in, the, in the country, basically the Union of Concerned Scientists several years ago mentioned that using an electric car is going to be better everywhere in the country even though there's quite a bit of coal still on on the grid that's because the engine itself um is so much more efficient than than a than a than a gas engine um so you know depending on the electricity it can be more efficient less efficient better worse with you but but you're also switching out another type of product and so there's sort of this these multiple components there's you know, where's the grid and the grid is getting cleaner. And so you also have the lifetime of that electricity. And then you have, where is that actual technology? Same thing with heat pumps in, in space heating. Um, they're 200, 300% efficient. And so just switching to them gets so much efficiency that the fuel source, you know, at some point is relevant, but once you start kind of hitting a threshold in the grid, it becomes more, better for the environment. So it's it's really it's really hard to see with the trends that we're on um, a lot of electrification not being better for the um, in, for carbon emissions specifically. Um, I think that one's just getting easier and easier over time. Yeah. Um, do you are you focusing more on the commercial side or the residential side or the automotive side? Uh, is it really everything has to happen? um so i think there's a mix um the the big opportunity seems to be on transportation um because there's so many cars that that burn gasoline and you could transition those to electricity and you'd see quite a bit um of of change and it's sort of the low-hanging fruit so you have a lot of people working there you have big companies that are investing in this um we don't focus as much on that because there's a lot of people who are focused on that. Um, consumers are buying that product because they like it. Um, so um, it's sort of a, it's sort of maybe on on cruise control in a way um, towards towards uh, towards happening. However fast it will happen. On the home side, um, there are some more challenges, um, especially with existing homes. Um, but I would say some things are are kind of leapfrogging. I think once people have um, certain electric products, they don't go back. Um, you know, if, if it's a lawnmower, a leaf blower, those types of things, people are, are, you know, able to use those, they're quieter in their neighborhood. And, and once that technology hits a certain threshold, you know, they're just, they're just using it. Um, and then space heating and water heating really depends on where you are, um, and what your electric panels like and, um, and the electric costs in your, in your state and area. Um, so there's, there's a lot there. And then on the commercial side, it's the same thing where it's, once it makes financial um, sense, it's just, it happens. You know, once it's a couple dollars cheaper to do it one way, um, big companies start investing in it and it just, it just takes over. And this is not new. Um, you know, we've seen this over and over and over again with dishwashers and air conditioners and, um, you know, everything that we use in our house uh, that's electric now that wasn't before, uh, it just sort of takes off and then it runs on its own. Yeah. Um, I 
imagine that the utilities are the, the primary um, folks that are reluctant to potentially change. Uh, the, the idea of the battle between electricity and gas generation, um, I guess, would be exemplified in uh, the utilities as well, I guess, outside in, in both industries, uh, gas and, and electric industries. Um, are, are you finding that utilities are, are your biggest obstacle or are they, are they coming along and, and joining, joining the efforts? Well, you know, it's it's interesting because I, I worked at a trade association for uh, electric cooperatives for 10 years. So um, certainly the electric industry and even utilities are not monolithic. And 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 so it, it's sort of it's sort of a, a I'll give you almost like a non-answer. Um, I'll, I'll say that electric co-ops in particular in rural areas electrified the whole country. So, you know, they, they are always, you know, electrifications in their DNA. They tend to not have gas and electric. So um, there's 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 some reasons to help with electrification, um, and 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 generally speaking, um, with all the energy efficiency and everything else, and all the transitions that are going on, having new revenue sources from things like propane or or even gasoline can be a good thing. Um, now, when when it becomes you know uncontrolled charging at noon or or you know big loads that are that are difficult. Um, that can cause some some challenges that need to be overcome, but I don't see a lot of resistance there. Um, on the on the on the on the utilities that have both gas and electric, they do have a a, a little bit more um, a little bit more kind of um, difficulty figuring figuring out the path forward. It takes takes a little bit longer, but I think most of the challenges with with utilities is more of an inertia and uh, just like you know they're huge things that are serving serving lots of people and and so i don't know that there's anybody in there you know fighting or not fighting i think it just feels that way sometimes and that would yeah. be if you're trying to do anything you know i mean trying to get you know trying to call up and get a new service sometimes can feel like that and and they have every reason to to help you so um i think that there's an incentive in the long run especially on the electric vehicle side for utilities to to, to, to move this direction. On your question about gas versus electric generation in terms of electricity generation, um, that's not really an issue because we're talking about end use electrification. Um, but um, I think the interesting thing, I always assume that because you're selling electricity, utilities would be really interested. Um, and that was sort of, it is sort of true, although they're interested in, in, in a lot of things, including reliability and cybersecurity and, and everything else. And um, this year has been particularly hard with things like rolling blackouts and, and rolling brownouts. So there's this kind of like a little bit of nervousness um, around um, making sure that the plans are in place to, to handle new loads. But in general, I think that's a, a really small component because this stuff is take, takes a long time. It's not like everyone's, you're gonna go out tomorrow and see you know on the highway all the cars are electric or anything like that it's going to take a really long time but it's something that that you know people have to plan for and when they plan for it you hear a lot about you know kind of it sounds like grumbling but it's really just the yeah. process um here in in colorado we recently had uh the marshall fire and a lot there there's a lot of incentives uh, through our local utility excel energy uh to incentivize people to rebuild uh, and electrify their homes uh, while doing that. Um, there's also a lot of concern that the grid isn't going to be able to handle uh, these new loads uh, there. So do you think that it's it's really that the, the grid can't handle it or that we need to change our behavior or a combination of both? You're, you're talking about kind of the grid reliability, but also um, uh, charging at noon uh, kind of scenarios. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that if you switched every vehicle to electricity and had them all charged at the same time, the grid couldn't handle it, right? And and if you switched uh, 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 to electric cars at the rate that they're going and charge them all off peak, we could handle it no problem, right? So so the question isn't whether or not, you know, we can handle electrification. It's, it depends, right? It depends on how we do it. 
And I like to say that even the best idea can be executed terribly. You know, you can think of anything that, that sounds like a good idea and, and you can mess it up, right? Um, I tend to be a more optimist on this. I think it's, I think that when anything big like this is happening, you're gonna get, you're gonna hear the concerns and you're gonna hear the worst cases and you're gonna hear what could go wrong and more than you'll hear what could go right and what, you know, what, what sort of the glide path is. Um, we have electrified the whole country. Um, there were just farms probably where you are and they had no electricity, right? And then, and then everybody wanted the dishwasher and a blender and, a, and you know, space heaters and, and everybody wanted air conditioners. And, every, you know, this is just a new air conditioner, it's, it's vehicles. It can be pretty flexible. And there is a lot of pressure also to invest in the electric system in general, even so that they can take electric vehicles or so that they can have different fuel sources. And I'll just say for any business, it's much harder to invest in it if you have revenues declining than if you have new revenues. So um, I, I, I sort of would throw back a rhetorical question and say, you know, what if we don't do this? Like, how is that easier? Um, and, and, and I don't, I don't know that you don't run into just as many challenges or even more challenges than, than you have if you go forward. So I think they're good questions. I absolutely think the grid can handle this. I think this is something that we can do. I think it's probably sort of, um, it's, it's, it's not that hard of a problem. There is some components that you do want to make sure this stuff is done right. You want to make sure it's smart and you need to invest. Where does that money come from? It's always going to be a fight. How do you do this in a way that doesn't raise costs to people? Um, all of that stuff is it, it are the challenges, um, but the rewards are pretty great as well. Yeah. Do you think uh, in the short term anyway, it, it will be more expensive for individual homeowners? That switch? Um, that's not beneficial electrification in my book. You know, I mean, I think there's certainly a case if I came to your house and said, I'm going to rip out everything that's not electric and put it in right now, that could, that could cost you a lot of money. Now, if you're, if you're in a situation where you have, you know, an inefficient house and there's rebate and your a piece of equipment goes out and they, you know, add some insulation and put the new piece of equipment in and the, the, it could, it could save you a lot of money. I wouldn't recommend doing things that are costing people a lot more money just because I think that there's better bang for your, there's, there's low hanging fruit that we're not even getting. Um, and one example is just some people have, you know, air conditioners that are, that are pad mounted, central air conditioners that aren't heat pumps. Yeah. And when they switch it out, it only costs a little bit more to put a heat pump in and, and, and heat too. They don't even have to take out their old system and, and they could save money. So until we're doing all that stuff, why do the stuff that's going to be, more expensive. Um, I just think that we should stick with the beneficial stuff first, and 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 you know save some of the hypothetical more expensive stuff for later. But I I don't really. Um, I also think that again, what's the alternative, and and how expensive is that is is another question. I just stick to the beneficial stuff. Yeah, interesting. It it seems like the the low hanging fruit right now is on the is on the new construction side. Uh, because you can you can match energy efficiency with electrification and get get the full benefit. Um, how difficult do you think it is to um, address the existing infrastructure and bring everything up to 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 where it needs to be to really get the benefit of electrifying the house? Well, we've 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 done homes that were. Um, all propane and, and upgraded them uh, 100%. Um, we, uh, and it's harder, um, it, 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 and it depends. If you go into a, uh, a house with a very, very small closet and it's got a small propane water heater or, or electric gas water heater already in there, it's, mm -hmm. it's tough. You have to make the, the, the closet bigger and, and it, might, it might not be worth it. But um, we did some houses that people were spending a lot of money on, on fuel. Um, to fill up their propane tank, a third of their budget. Um, and we weatherized and electrified the houses. It costs about $20,000 per house. And they were saving hundreds of dollars uh, per month. And it changed their life. They were using blankets. They weren't turning on their heat. Yeah. Um, but that that might cost money. We, we, we could do that a little bit more cost effectively. And now there's going to be rebates 
uh, potentially from from the state and the government to, to help make that transition. And then it becomes a whole lot easier. So there's a potential that there'll be $14,000 per house, $8,000 per heat pump, $1,750 per, per water heater, um, money for panel upgrades. That will change the economics. Policy aside, I, 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 don't, I don't know if it's a good policy or not. I mean, it, it certainly helps make it beneficial to the consumer. Um, and, uh, and when that's the case, the economics really change. And, and at the end of the day, people, if they get their home weatherized, we call it weatherization electrification together. When that happens, they end up with a, a better quality of life. And that's, that's a good thing. So, um, you know, it's not a one, one size fits all answer, but I hope that helps. Yeah. Do you think uh, electrification is is at a point where it's a mainstream concept that will continue, or is it still pretty much on the fringes? I think. I mean, I think it's always it's it's always been marching. Um, I think the difference now is that it's gotten a little bit political, um, and um, and kind of climate's involved. Um, you know, it used to just be that you were doing this to have a better product. And, you know, I have a lot of better products that are electric, electric. I have this leaf blower that I use inside with my kids and they just have so much fun. I'm, I, yeah. I never do it inside with a gas one and I'll never go back because it's a toy for my kid also. Right. And so I think there's lots of stories where people are getting electric things and just liking them better. And it has nothing to do with anything that we talk about in the policy circles. Um, and I do think that this will just be kind of a, a, a you know, a continuum. If you looked at when people first had horses and started getting cars. I'm sure we had these same discussions like my, 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 my horse can go where my car can. Are you telling me there's going to be gas stations everywhere? You're crazy. Or where are we going to get this oil from some other country? You know, and it, and it, and it happens. Um, I think there is an inevitability to it. Um, I think there's an inevitability that, it, that not every single thing will be electrified, but I think there's an inevitability towards this technology, especially as batteries get better. Um, just, doing more stuff for us. Um, electricity is just, it's very useful and, and, and carrying around gasoline cans and, you know, propane tanks and, you know, putting in pipes for, there is places for that, but when you can avoid that and then you get something that's quieter and doesn't, doesn't send off any smoke and, and, uh, you know, it's just, people are just going to do it because that's, what's on the shelf at the store, you know, and it's, it's not yeah. even going to be a, a big issue. Yeah. I do a lot of work in uh, the energy codes and I see um, a lot of reluctance from a variety of, of players in that arena uh, to addressing um, existing buildings and basically telling somebody who already owns a property that they, when they do an upgrade, when they do an addition, that they have to do something um, additional to that house, uh, you know, that would better themselves, but would kind of better the entire community as well. Um, and I was kind of wondering, what do you think are the biggest obstacles right now to uh, this movement of electrifying our homes? Well, it's it's certainly upfront cost, um, and 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 you know if you've ever done a renovation in your own home, you know some of these programs are like doing a renovation in somebody else's home, and and yeah. if you've yeah. done a renovation, you'll you'll know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you know you have to line up electricians, you have to dust and everything else. Um, so it, and you can have people who are there have kids or have asthma, so it's it's harder. Um, it's definitely harder. And the question is, is it worth it? And the question also is, you know, philosophically, some people will say. You know, you think you know what's better for me than I know what's what, and like, you know, just leave me alone. I, I'm comfortable right now. You know, it's not going to save the planet for my one house, right? And 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 I don't know that I that I agree or disagree with that. I think I think there are cases where certainly, um, you know, you could make the case for skipping a house, you know, or skipping a device or or, or whatnot. Um, it's, maybe the house isn't going to be there very long. They don't use that much energy. Um, so I I I can I can see where they're coming from. But the other side of that is, you know, some people just don't have the money to fix up their house and, and, and they would save more than, than it would cost. They just don't have the money to do it. And, and they're paying a lot of money. And we've come in and we've helped people like that. And they've been so happy. Like, you know, we, we had one woman who we were wondering why she was so emotional. It was because she'd always had 
um, she'd always had to have an air conditioner in her window in her bedroom, and, and now she had sunlight in her bedroom um, because she had a more efficient, you know, um, air conditioner. And and you know, kid, their kids were comfortable and they weren't huddled around a, a space heater in another house. And and so those types of things, you know, are are the ones where you go, you should go for it. Um, I just don't know the the um, I don't have a lot of appetite for 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 those fights, you know, on 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 the on the marginal the marginal side, because you can spend as much as fights on those fights. By the time you spent money on those fights, you maybe could have done more on the, on the, on the, um, you know, on the incentive side. So, you know, I don't think there's any right or wrong answer. It's really just a matter of perspective and, um, and maybe philosophy a little bit, but to be more direct with your, with your question, the barriers are with existing homes tend to be cost space, cost effectiveness um, and, and and sometimes it just doesn't pencil out that well compared to you know when you can build it that way and and we just have to figure out what the trade-offs are there yeah and and how how to fund it how to how to fundamentally I, I think your your point about um, helping people is is really important because those there are many, many houses out there, many, many buildings out there that nothing will happen unless uh, there's some type of funding source to to make it happen. Absolutely. We we when we first did this uh, weatherization electrification project, we just picked people that were already waiting uh, on lists to just do basic weatherization. Um, yeah. They weren't able to pay their their money. They were getting some help with their their fuel bills. And uh, it wasn't going to happen for them for a couple of years, and we changed that. We we went in and we did it. And and so I know that that's the case where there are people who, um, you know, are certainly waiting and, and would be helpful. And then if if as a society, as a as a state, you've decided that you know we're going to have to do something that's going to cost more over here, so we can invest in this, and then it has the the mutual benefit of of finding people who are willing and 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 want those services and you provide them um you know that that's where you're going to find the, the 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 magic sauce right um yeah. I, I think it's it's there's other cases where people are like you know uh, i'm a i'm a maybe one or two people in my house i don't use very much water um i have a relatively new system um i don't really want anybody you know in here um my health isn't that good i, I sleep a lot whatever it is and, and I think it's fine to say, you know, um, let's go to somebody who's going to really, you know, really want this um, and, and and partner with them. It's just going to be so much easier. Yeah, it's it's also going to take a fair amount of time. Like I think you were talking earlier, uh, we see cities like like Denver themselves who have these zero energy, zero carbon kind of goals, but it's all focused on new construction and, and the lion's share of the opportunity is, is not in new construction. So how do you, well, I, I think that's, part, that's a conundrum, right? Because yeah. um, that one of your opening questions was about whether or not this could be done with, um, with the existing um, electricity sources. And, and some people kind of at the very beginning were saying, well, you need to clean up the electricity and then you should do this. And the answer is no, <laughs> the electricity is, is, that is getting cleaner and cleaner and cleaner and cleaner all the time. Um, but the, the products that we put in last for decades, and, and, and the chances are once you put something in, it will be, it's more likely to be replaced with whatever it has. And so you're better off switching things when you have the opportunity, um, because once something's in, it's not, it's not necessarily better for the environment to go throw that thing away that has a useful life and put a new one in. Um, and, and it can be disruptive, economically disruptive to do you know, retrofits and everything else. So the 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 idea is that you really want to hit these things at the right time because you notice these glacial timeframes otherwise. And um, you know, if every if every retrofit that's going in major retrofit is is electric, it will take a while. But if there's still ones that are going in that would be cost effective if they were electric and you're just for some reason not getting there, it's just going to delay it even more. So you know, I. The sense of urgency should be more on the um, making sure that you check to see if a technology would work, and and if it does, you know, get it in, and and don't 
don't worry about I, I think don't don't worry about fights about you know where this is coming from or that at this point if, if that's your goal just whenever you can save money do it that's that's probably a good a good barometer at least that you know yeah uh from your perspective is the primary um justification or argument for electrification an environmental argument or are there other arguments that that make sense Oh, I, I, I think it's all it's those four pillars that I mentioned, um, you know, saving money is number one. I mean, most people if, if do this because they save money um, and you can save money. Um, there's no question about it in many, many cases um, and, and more and more. So if the, if the cost of an electric car and electric and a gas car were the same and you bought the electric car, you would save money. Um, and that's that's going to be a big thing when that when that happens. And the other thing's product quality. Um, you know, if if you want a, a a lawnmower that you push the button instead of pull the rope, if you don't want to have a gas tank and you and you want something that's quiet, um, you're going to choose a, a electric lawnmower. Um, if you want something in your driveway that looks like a Tesla, and your neighbors you want you're going to buy that thing. Um, that's the vast majority of the public. Um, people who are really concerned about climate, I don't think that they're really debating this much anymore. Um, if anything, yeah. they may be they, they may be pushing a little hard, too hard because if people aren't with you, you sort of get some backlash that makes it even your job even harder. Um, but so so I guess the um, the reason is in the eyes of the beholder, um, and some people would say, oh, you know, everything's about climate, right? So that's that's the driver. Other people say, um, you know. I don't see, you know, the guy down the street doing anything. Why should I pay more? I'm struggling to feed my kids and and I really would need to save money. And and those two people are not necessarily wrong. They just have different perspectives on it. So um, and I think the other thing to consider is, you know, if the grid can't handle it or we're not, you know, it's also not not feasible. Potentially, you know, potentially the best thing for the environment is just use no energy, but that's not you know, that's not going to happen. Yeah. So, so, so it's, it's really a balance. And it, that goes back to your, one of your questions about my background, you have to have a balance. Um, you can't look at it in a stovepipe because if you're just maximizing for climate, you're going to come out with some answers that are unworkable. And if you just come at it from cost, you're going to come out at it with an answer that's unworkable. If you, you know, you just come out of it, at it for, so, so you have to balance them. Yeah. Um, are there any um, research uh, papers, uh, pilot projects, or anything that have really demonstrated the economic viability of of electrification that are that are pretty easily digestible for for the public? Well, we have on our weatherization electrification together page um, on our be-league.org um, a two pager on on what it would be to do a whole um, energy retrofit for a house. And that's when we did the whole thing, um, and it was again twenty thousand dollars, and we saw substantial bill, you know, paybacks. Now, when when this rebate program comes out and there's fourteen thousand dollars available per house, that makes that a no-brainer. Um, I, I think other things other things that you might see are very case-specific, and I don't know that they. Um, you know, at a very high level, you're seeing studies around total ownership of, of cars and buses and things like that. Um, but, you know, I don't I don't I don't know that anything that's super digestible is rigorous, you know, super rigorous either. Um, I think it's just important to remember that the trends are um, that prices, you know, as battery prices come down, more things are competitive and as as there's parity with with car prices you know a car will be the total ownership cost will be better and you can see that you know uh, uh, probably 100 places and um and you know on the new construction side you'll see some things that um you know demonstrate that it usually costs less than people think to, to put the electric stuff in and and people usually like it a little bit better we call it try it you'll like it um and and when people try it they tend to like it and then do it again. And that's that's really the proof's in the pudding in a, in a way. Studies studies can say whatever, you know, the yeah. author wants them to say, right? Yeah, I think a, a great example of try it, you'll like it is with induction cooking. 
Uh, it's one of the biggest obstacles to electrification, yet uh, everybody that I know loves loves cooking with induction cooktops. Well, try it, you'll like it is, you know, back in the day when electric cooperatives and electric companies were starting, they, they used to have like sample kitchens and you, you'd try dishwashers out, you'd try stoves out and, 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 and it was, you know, a demonstration and people would love the technology and buy it. Ronald Reagan used to go around saying live better electrically and, and, and GE had this whole thing. Um, but then when you started this kind of trend, People do these things called ride, uh, ride and drives, right? And you go and you try an EV, and then and then you're more likely to, to to like it. And people who haven't, you know, driven in one, complain about it, and then they ride in one, and then they get one, right? Yeah. We had one um, on our website as well. Um, it's called Try It, You Like It. It was about a grid connected community. I think it was in Alabama, and the builders were really skeptical of doing a grid connected all electric development. Um, and it came out less money than they thought it would. They sold for more money than their counterparts, and the people were happier. And they said, "We're never going to build anything else again." And we and and we see contractors who offer some of this service, and it's really hard to get into that market. But once they do, they're they're in demand, and they they can just not do anything else. So I think there's a real aspect to um, not like not liking to be the first one, but liking to be the first to go second, and and then this herd mentality where um, the market changes, and we're sort of we're sort of early in that curve, but as people try things, they like it better than, than it sounds, you know? Yeah. Um, going back to the, the grid for a second, uh, can you explain the electric grid? And I, I think people worry about um, what happened in Texas with the big freeze a couple years ago and uh, grid stability and whatnot. Can, can you give us a, a uh, an idea of, of what the grid is in reality and, and how uh, stable it actually is or isn't? Yeah, so, you know, the, the, the grid is a, a series of, uh, you know, power plants, power lines, transmission, and then distribution, and then, and then, and then you know, end users. And um, because electricity can't really be stored in any meaningful way, um, in reality, I mean, you'll hear stories about storage, but it's it's not not like uh, it's not like any other commodity. For example, if uh, if you if you make too many shoes as a shoemaker and there's not enough people buying them, you just put them in a warehouse somewhere. You can't put electricity in a warehouse, so you're constantly balancing so, supply uh, and demand. Real, real quick, but but a battery wouldn't be that that because we're there's a big push to to add batteries to all our houses. Absolutely. Yes, and and it would help, but it but they're they're not first of all they're not there yet, and and then you know they're not they're they're just starting out and they're not super cost effective and they're not big enough to to, to store energy. So you can historically you couldn't really store energy. You can do some things like put put energy in a in a reservoir and pump it up a hill. You can um, you can compress air. And you can do, you know, lithium. You can do batteries, and you're, and we're getting bigger and bigger batteries. But those things are microscopic compared to, you know, supply and demand. We're talking about, you know, if you go up in an airplane and you look at a city, you know, lots of houses, lots of people doing lots of things, right? So, um, when when supply and demand become mixed up, um, then then you can have these brownouts. And so when the weather's really unexpectedly bad or there's a, a particular problem at power plants and that's sort of what happened in texas where it was very very cold and it was cold enough to knock out some supply as well so on, on the demand side people are cold in an area they're not normally cold so they're all turning on their heaters and that you know all the businesses are using electricity like they don't usually use it and then you know some things were freezing and and, and just problems on the supply side and that's when you get that problem um generally capacity of 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 the supply is um you know it kind of comes and goes but but you're, you're supposed to have enough supply to meet the demand um and 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 when there's a breakdown there's a, there's a problem um i should note that when there's a problem with with electricity um the other fuels aren't necessarily a solution um people were in in their cars that that were electric and they they lived and they plugged their ipad in and had a great time people were in their cars with gas in their in their in their in their garages and died 
So, so, you know, and if there were a lot more cars, you know, a lot more people might have been been better off in a way, especially if you had two cars, you have one with gasoline and one. So the idea that the electricity going out in the future is a big, it, it's, it's a problem, but you know, it's more, it's more complicated than that. Um, the, um, the supply, the new loads can potentially be flexible. Um, they are a concern. And I think the other concern is obviously that um, because we're transitioning off big fossil fuel power plants, the supply is getting getting different and and less. And and the big thing that comes up is that um, a plant that uses gasoline, I mean uh, natural gas or coal, is on demand. So I say, oh my goodness, everybody's cold. They're using more power. Turn on the plant. Put more coal in. Put more gas in. Turn it on. Turn on the supply. The demand's up. Now go outside and try to turn turn the wind on or try to turn the sun on at night. <laughs> you, you can't yeah. do it. And and so that's that's where you need that storage and the storage isn't quite there yet. So so there's a there's a faction of folks who um, probably legitimately certainly legitimately point out that if the load is 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 outpacing the supply there's going to be problems. And that's true. Um, so, so rather than pointing out that the problem, I think you also got to work towards the solutions and having flexible loads, making sure the cars aren't charging at the wrong time, getting new technology in place is also, you know, somebody has to work on that as well. Um, so it's a very complicated system. Um, they say the grid is one of the most complicated systems ever built by man. And, yeah. uh, and, and it's true. And so you get you can make any message you want um, to make, you know, utilities sound bad or 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 fossil fuels sound bad or make fossil fuels sound good and utilities sound good. <laughs> you know, electrification's good, electrification's bad, yeah. you know, but the reality is that it's all an engineering system and our destiny is in our hands with how we how we, you know, implement this. And again, I think there is some level of of um, inevitability that that the better technology is going to win. And it's going to be cleaner and it's going to be increasingly electric yeah it seems like we're we're also going to need to change our behavior and uh be willing to give up a little bit of control because in order to have that flexibility the utility is going to need the demand response controls that are on uh modern heat pumps and whatnot so they can turn them on and turn them off uh if there's too much demand or, or not enough uh supply there, it's, so that, possible. It's, it's possible. It's it's possible. I'd say I'd say it's more, um, you know, it can be helpful, but we do that anyway with 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 certain things where if if we're getting a price, we decide to to, to do something else. Um, if the gas prices are high, um, some people don't go on trips on Memorial Day. You know, I mean, um, and so the, the idea that people are going to change, I think, is is a little bit um, optimistic. I think there's going to be more and more stuff that that technology does for us that we don't even notice. Um, there's a study out by EPRI, I think it is, that that there's going to be many, many more times of energy uh, stored in cars everywhere than the grid even needs at any one time. And so if there's cars all sitting there and you can find a way to get that that the um, the energy out of them into the grid, um, you know maybe that's a solution instead of saying oh it's hot turn off your air conditioner because you know um, you don't want to have to ask somebody to do that. Um, we already do. We have demand response programs with air conditioners. Um, you could say that if this is going to work, we all need to, to do that more. Um, but, you know, ideally, we would let people live their lives and and be comfortable and um, and be implementing these solutions. And, and I, th I think that that's more likely to happen just because you just get so much blowback. I mean, people just don't change their life over over this stuff very easily the average person yeah it it seems like um solar is uh, a tricky subject with regards to electrification um primarily from the utilities they they want to do the you know potentially want to do the large uh solar garden or or solar farms uh, but they don't want they aren't as receptive it seems to having solar on your own individual house. Um, and I, I don't quite understand why a utility wouldn't leverage every metered property that they have in their, their system uh, 
and in essence lease the the rooftop space from them and basically you you would have an urban solar garden if you put panels on everybody if, if the utility actually put panels on everybody's houses there yeah i mean i, I it is a complicated a complicated scenario so part of me as the engineer set you know wants to wants to be like um i understand from economies of scale sometimes if you have the land you know putting something on the ground instead of on everybody's roof and and connecting everything it's just an easier problem to solve like i mean there's just a, a real a sort of a reality to that um which i think sort of goes goes one way um the other the other way is you know again if you have more resources that's that's a good thing and 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 so that kind of goes goes to the side of, of of doing more of this i think the real the real um the real kind of conflict point becomes with how you compensate people and 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 how that all works and um there's thing called net metering which has become you know sort of a hot button issue and some folks say you know i pay 14 cents or 12 cents or 10 cents for electricity at my house if i generate it it should i should get 12 cents 14 cents or whatever and it, it would be sort of like if you if you you know said well if i go to if i go to the convenience store and i buy a candy bar for two dollars and i should be able to show up with a box of candy bars you know when they already have a full box and and tell them they need to buy all mine for two dollars a piece and 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 you know it, it I see that. I see that. And so they're talking about avoided costs and what is avoided cost and, and what would they be playing for the supply? And is it valuable when when you're giving it to me? Is, is Do I actually have, you know, a demand for it right then? I have other contracts that I had to put in place, you know, to make sure that, that your lights are on all the time. And now you're telling me I got to do this. Um, so so I think it's more um, I don't think it's necessarily fair to say, um, you know, utilities can because utilities aren't a, pe a person. They're kind of this big thing. Um, but I think there's some challenges to to changing any business model, you know, in any reasonable time scale to a person who's, you know, wants it to happen today. Um, does that mean we won't see a different future? I think that mean mean you probably agree that the only thing we know is that things are going to be different in the future, right? I mean, it's that change is the only constant. Um, but you run into these things where the expectations and the reasoning from one perspective is just different than the other side. And it, and it looks less reasonable. Again, when you're a translator, you sort of see why it looks reasonable to each side. And, and, and there's a little bit of, there's a little bit of, you, you know, each, neither side's wrong. Um, but each side is understandable. And, and so it might just not be that, out of all the options right now, like going on to every home and putting a, a solar panel on theirs is is the option that they are choosing. And and that that might not be, it may or may not be the right decision. Um, in some cases, I, I, I sort of tend to agree that it might be the right decision. And in some cases, I, I, I see people who are doing it and it, it's utilities that are doing it, and it's absolutely the right decision. So it's sort of this, um, again, uh, um, it's more complicated than it might seem at first blush. Yeah, it it does seem that there's a lot of uh, perception anyway that in order to electrify, you also have to put uh, PV on your house, uh, PV panels on your home. Uh, what's your perspective there? I don't I don't agree with that. Um, I don't agree with that at all. Um, there was a, a story out of out of uh, Hawaii, and I don't. I, I haven't seen it for a long time. But there was a there was a guy who tried to do that. He tried to do his own solar and did it for a while, and and eventually the utility caught up. And he's like, I should just let the utility do this the whole time. And and the electric sector since 2005, uh, a couple as of a couple years ago, already hit 30% reductions. So it's not necessarily that our electricity is getting getting less, you know, not getting cleaner. Um, it is. It is fast. Um, the the problem is more that you have to get things onto the electric system somehow. Um, putting on a PV on a, on a house, um, you know, has an independence thing. I think it's a feel good thing. Um, if, if I'm a really cheap person and I owned all the houses and all the land, I wouldn't do it that way. I, I honestly wouldn't do that. I would, I would put it on the cul-de-sac. I would, uh, I would, I would have a fuel mix, a portfolio mix. I would, I would reduce the emissions a different way. Um, it's roof repairs, things like that. Um, so you know it's certainly taking the matters in your own hands um and and i can see 
where if you want to do that, you should have every right to do that. Um, you should have the right incentives to do that, and they should align with with everybody else's. Um, it's part of the solution. I don't think it's going to be the whole solution, and I don't always think it's the most cost-effective solution. I think sometimes if you have a utility that's really good, um, they will. Um, you know, I've seen utilities go to reduce their emissions faster than if they try to do it on every rooftop just by doing it themselves. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um. I think another thing that's driving solar panels on, on people's homes is the idea of resiliency and and uh, being able to ride out a severe weather event or or, or blackout from the utility. Um, however, when you have the panel, you can't uh, use that electricity in your home without uh, battery storage of, of some sort. Uh, do you know of any technologies that are coming down the pike that might change that that balance and and inter, be able to integrate with the grid better um yeah, yeah there's certainly technologies that that can get you off the grid and and connect and interconnect it, it 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 sort of gets a little complicated my understanding and I'm not this isn't my area of expertise but you know you have this back feeding and people can get electrocuted as they try to put the power back on when the power goes out um and so it's really important to do that right um that that tends to be that when somebody's power goes out, their electric panels don't work in their house. Um, you could island your house, you could have a microgrid, you can have a backup generator. There's, there's you know, companies like Generac and things like that. They can they can help you go off grid preppers, you know, which would go off the grid and they're prepping for the end of the world. Um, the, um, and that doesn't you know, seem like what we need. We need to be able to withstand, you know, a few hours off the grid or you know a few days off the grid um and that's microgrids that's microgrids right yeah that's so having a more of resilient grid that has microgrids you know is going to be you know the way of the future um having a battery in your house will help you ride things having a battery in your garage that's probably what's going to happen <laughs> you know i mean there'll be some people in a couple of years that like do all this stuff and have a have a more resilient home some people have backup generators already and then eventually they'll have a you know Ford Lightning and uh, and uh, you know what do you really want? You want your kids to use the charge their iPads. You want anyone who has a breathing machine to definitely have that. You want some heat. Um, you want a little entertainment. Um, you want to be able to get out of there. And you know an electric car could probably do that for you. Um, if you want to do a solar storage, you know the so the sun would have to be shining. You know it have to be daytime. Um, when it's daytime, it tends to be a little bit warmer. Um, so, so you know, I, I, there's definitely engineering solutions. The, 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 the issue is the cost. And then, of course, what, what you go back to, and I think your, your heart's in this place, is make sure you have an efficient house, right? Um, because if you do need any power, um, it's going to go a lot further if you, you're, you, it's not all going out the window um, or, or, you know, leaking out the house. And that's, that's, the, first, that's the first idea. Right. Well, it seems like you, you're pretty optimistic about the state of electrification uh, and the direction that things are going. Uh, do you have anything else that you'd like to, to add and end on? Well, just that it doesn't need to be political. You know, it really doesn't. Um, it, it's about quality of life. And um, I would just urge everybody to realize that there's that this all will work itself out. And, and it is working itself out. Work hard to, 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 to do this. But but. The idea isn't that if you scream the loudest, something's going to change that much. Uh, and, and, and honestly, it might not change in your favor. So get your head down, work work on it. Um, win hearts and minds. Um, don't try to just fight for the sake of fighting and and and, uh, and and work on the technology and making people's save people money, make their life better. Um, and you'll you'll get the right result uh, at the end of the day. Great. Well, I really appreciate your time and thanks so much for, for helping us understand the idea of uh, beneficial electrification. We'll put uh, your website in the show notes and I'm guessing on your website is the, the paper that made the Beneficial Electrification League uh, is on that website as well. I'll put it up there. I should have it on there. My, it goes back to 2015, but um, it's called uh, beneficial, Environmentally Beneficial Electrification, either one by me. Um, electricity is the end use option. And then our follow up was called uh, the dawn of emissions efficiency. 
So uh, I, I'll sh I should put those up there if they're not already up there, but it's, uh, it's, a, it's a walk down memory lane at this point because uh, we've come so far since then. Okay, well, thank you again and, and take care. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of BuildCast, brought to you by BuildTank, Inc. To see show notes and learn more about our guests and other episodes, visit the BuildCast page of our website at www.btankinc.com. Thank you, Ben Sound, for our music and to Ashley Owen for editing it. And you, for your encouragement and guidance in the creation of BuildCast. You can listen to BuildCast on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite platform. If you enjoyed our show and are willing, please take a moment to subscribe and review BuildCast, which will help others find it more easily. Thanks again for listening, and please let us know who you would like to hear next and if you have any suggestions to make BuildCast better. Until next time, be safe and continue to think 0 to 360.